Welcome to the Hey Salespeople podcast, where we focus on delivering immediately actionable best practices for sales professionals. I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Hey, salespeople. Today, it's my great pleasure to welcome Kyle Smith to the podcast. Welcome, Kyle. Yeah, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Kyle is the Director of Sales and Customer Success over at The Bridge Group, one of my favorite inside sales consulting and implementation firms. So today we're going to get to talk to Kyle a little bit about account management and customer success. And those roles can often be a little bit intermingled. But before we do that, we'll learn a little bit about Kyle. So Kyle, I'm going to ask you my usual first question that I love to ask our guests because I'm a big book nerd. But what is your favorite sales book of all time and why? I'm going to have to go with Agile Selling by Jill Conrath. It's an incredible book uh, in terms of understanding how salespeople learn and how to adapt new information, apply it quickly. It dramatically improved my ability to ramp. So it had a significant impact on me for that reason, which is why it's one of my favorites. Well, great. Let's learn the second thing about you as well, which is the first thing you ever remember selling either as a kid or as a young sales professional. When I was in elementary school, we used to have to do the magazine sales. I don't know if that's still a thing or for how long it was a thing, but we used to have to sell magazines basically door to door as part of like fundraising for field trips and whatnot. So that was one of the first things I sold. Worked my neighborhood door to door and then even to some extent developed the channel strategy. Had my family members bringing in the little forms to work so that they could sell it to all their coworkers. It was great. I don't think I've ever heard of anyone refer to that as a channel strategy. Oh, 100%. But. Yep. I leveraged my influencer network, had them reselling for me. It was great. <laughs> well, let's get into the main topic of today, which is account management and customer success. And as you and I were chatting before the podcast, the reason we're lumping those things together is because there really isn't a ton of clarity around role definition. So, you know, as you're interacting with your own customers heavily in the B2B SaaS space, what are you seeing in terms of the way that people are structuring their account management function and their customer success function? So from what I'm seeing, it is the least well-defined role of the three big being sales development, account executives, and then I've put customer success and account management in the same bucket on the back end, you know, post-signature. Of the three roles, that one is the least well-defined. Everyone has their own variation of what that function looks like, how they structure the team, the responsibilities of those reps. So from what I'm seeing, tons of variation. And where there's similarity, it is still the copy and paste model where the head of customer success brings over whatever model they had from their last company and rolls it out at their new one, which is, I think, fairly common across the board. In what areas does that lack of clarity show itself? I mean, for me, the reason I ask that is because I guess I have my own opinion about it, which it has to do with the borderline between whether or not customer success professionals actually have commercial responsibility. I presume that's one of the lack of clarity areas. Are there others that you're seeing as well? Yes, I think it's whether or not they have commercial responsibility and then to what extent. So we have customer success functions who are solely gold on just growth within the account. So not even net revenue retention. So they don't own a retention number. They solely own the growth of those accounts that are in their book of business. So that is a completely different job function than one who potentially owns net revenue retention and has the retention number along with the growth number uh, as components. Some who don't own any revenue number whatsoever and who are truly solely focused on 
the success of the customer, and then potentially they also have the account management layer. So what that does is a couple of things. One, makes it difficult to hire and set reasonable expectations because if I'm a customer success manager at one company, I apply for a customer success position at another, but it's not even close to the same role. Two, from a customer perspective, if you engage with someone with a customer success title, right, a sales operations person owns what, 12 different technologies as part of the tech stack that they roll out to their team. So I engage with customer success rep A, I have a certain relationship with them. If B, C, and D are completely different relationships, they add different value, then my expectations, I don't know what to expect from my customer success rep. Is this a person who calls and they're just going to try and constantly up or cross sell me? Or is this somebody who's going to come and add value, educate me on how better to use the whatever platform it is to build a better business for the people that I support? So I think it's hiring profile, expectations from customers are the two big ones where I think that variability could potentially cause some hiccups. So this creates an incredible complication in in the way that you hire if you don't have great role definition, especially from company to company. Imagine you're hiring earlier career professionals. What's the sort of profile that you've seen be the most effective for the customer success role? Early career customer success where I've had the most success within my client base is with actually non-ex-sales professionals. So not the people who were sales development reps who decided that they wanted to jump to customer success versus account executives, which is the traditional path and not ex-account executives who didn't want to carry a bag anymore, didn't want to have that new business quota, but actually people in more project management type functions. So people who are used to being able to manage a lot of different activities, keep them on track, stick to timelines, and just be super organized with their time. So not necessarily amazing conversationalists, the people who are going to be able to drive conversations from open to literally a closed one opportunity, but people who instead can stay organized on top of tasks. And then it's easier to train them on how to probe for opportunities within accounts and identify opportunities for growth versus trying to take someone who's amazing at the selling aspect and get them organized enough to manage a $3 million book of business between whatever, 100 accounts. Even in that profile, there is the subtext that the skill set of the customer success professional, right, around project management, around engaging customers in an ongoing basis, right, over the long term, is a bit different than the skill set for, you know, what you would hire for an inside sales professional or an SDR. Yeah, I just think it's harder to get away with being disorganized in the customer success role than it is in a sales development or an account executive role. I think in the SDR or AE roles, you can make up for a lot of your deficiencies in organization or time efficiency with your skill sets on the phone. If once you talk to a prospect, they are wowed with your knowledge of their space, their business challenges, and how your solution helps them solve those challenges, and you talk to five people a day, amazing. You're probably going to be a top performer, even if you can't manage you know, the leads coming into your queue if you're an SDR or the accounts in your pipeline if you're an account executive. When you're in customer success, I think if you haven't talked to a customer in nine months because you're disorganized and they slip through the cracks and then you hit them back up about their renewal or you're trying to get them to grow as the renewal is upcoming, that is something that's a lot harder to come back from because regardless of your conversation skills, there's just a feel to the customer that 
I don't hear from anyone at your company for the majority of my subscription time frame, And the only time you call is when we're up for renewal or you're trying to sell me more stuff. So regardless of what you try and do or try and say, your actions over the time period of them being a customer speak so much louder. In an interesting way, the stakes are kind of higher, right? With the new business, right? The win rate is not astronomically high, right? You're not approaching 100% win rate in new business. We all wish we did, but therefore, like some sort of communication failure can get somewhat mass, right? If you lose a deal, it's terrible, but it's hard to pinpoint that on a particular communication failure. Whereas in the customer success world, right, where retention rates are, you know, hopefully in the 80s, 90s, if you mess that up, you're, you know, you're talking about whatever 80 to 90% times the full ARR of the deal, it has a much bigger financial impact on the company. So hired a contractor, amazing carpenter. Like the work that he and his team do is incredible, right? That they are excellent with woodwork. The issue is that they show up once every two months. So it no longer matters how good they are when they're here. I hate them. And I don't want them to ever come and work on my house again because of how frustrating it is to engage with them, how unreliable they are and how disorganized they are in running their business. So in that instance, I don't care how good they are because I can't trust them to show up and be around when I need them. Now, if it was somebody building me a new house, like a framer, and they're amazing, I don't care. I just need you to show up and do a good job one time. I'm never going to see or talk to you again. I'm never going to need you again. Just do your thing, do it well, do it once, and then you're out of my life forever. So one who's doing like renovations, remodeling, which is closer to like customer success, you're going to be around. I need constant help from you in small bite-sized chunks versus one person who just has to do a, a great job on a project one time. I don't need that level of reliability over the long term. While you were saying that, I was actually thinking about my being a customer of a, a lot of different, you know, B two B SaaS solutions. Folks always want to schedule, you know, monthly or quarterly value reviews with me. And interestingly, customers are often resistant to put those like pre scheduled value reviews on their calendars, even though it's good for them. What do you think would make customers more likely to want to accept those periodic value reviews? And why do you think they don't accept them with as high frequency as one would expect? I think customer success managers, for the most part, unless we're talking about serious enterprise accounts, are more junior because the function itself is fairly new. Right? It used to be called account management, sure, but the customer success management role is still fairly new. So a lot of those reps are more junior. So I think it's two things. One, I think more junior reps typically always struggle with having a real human conversation. So there's a lot of rigidity in how they communicate, very numbers-based, which works well with some buyer personas, but not with others. Like So for you in particular, or for a lot of the people in our space, you sell the sales and marketing professionals, not necessarily operations, IT, engineering, whatever. So having a conversation and being an actual human can pay dividends. It's weird for me to say as a millennial, because I didn't grow up in the relationship building, let's go play golf type of sales era. But there's still a component of being a person that somebody wants to jump on the phone and talk to and not just being this like, oh, this call is going to be some serious work. Like, I'm going to need to really pay attention the whole time. It's going to be stiff. We're just going to run through metrics. So one, I think it's the experience that you provide when somebody engages with you. The second piece would be the same thing we run into on the sales development side, which is there's so much bad sales development activity that it hurts the collective group. So people who are spam cannons or who add zero value whatsoever and just 
dial for dollars and pitch the heck out of people. It makes everyone not want to engage with SDRs. So same thing could be said for customer success. If I have 12 technologies in my stack and six or seven of my customer success managers are constantly trying to schedule calls with me at no value whatsoever and are just trying to cross or upsell me, I'm going to be more hesitant or resistant to book an hour and a half with you to do a value review. Earn your own time and then also make up for some of what other people in the industry are doing to you. Yeah, you definitely got it at my pain point, right? Which is I don't really need to spend an hour reviewing historical numbers because I like to think I'm on top of that sort of thing. And I also don't want to spend an hour for you pitching things that I didn't already buy because I guess I can find budget for incredible things, but that's a pain in the butt. It's much better to do that around the renewal conversation if you're going to upsell me. So I don't want to be upsold for an hour every month or every quarter. But what I really want is I want them to bring me, hey, you already bought this, you paid for it, but there's these two or three things that you could be doing with it that add real value that maybe they know that their other customers are doing. And unfortunately, I guess so few customer success professionals are, are trained to do that. Yeah, and I think the challenge for customer success leadership is we can talk about it. I don't have as much experience as you, but been doing it for eight years at this point and worked with like 70 clients. That's where I have the benefit of working for the Bridge Group because my experience kind of amplifies. But how do we, at the same time, take collective experience in what you know buyers want, what I know that my customers want from that type of engagement and put that in the head of somebody who's been out of college for two to three years and who's had maybe a thousand conversations total over that time period with these types of buyers. So how do we create a framework for how they engage with customers and can add value without being like me, a consultant, right? So it's easy for me to say, but what I do is consult. So me talking about how I would add value in that call is not even possible for a two-year tenured CSM. So how do we just give them an easy-to-use framework that's repeatable and scalable that still accomplishes the goal of adding value for the customer? I think that is the number one challenge. Yeah, I, I do think it's achievable, right? You can almost think about it in a campaign sense that you might have these periodic campaigns where the company has identified here is a common thing that would add value to our customer base. Maybe some are doing it, but maybe the some who are doing it are in the 5% of the companies. So it can't hurt to then have all the CSMs proactively engage to share this set of ideas. Or even if you were to sit down for a value review, right, in the same way that sales enablement exists to create collateral that hopefully has some value adding immediately actionable insights I think the customer success enablement people really have an obligation to front end load those decks with one, two, three incredibly valuable, actionable things that customers can do. You're dead on. I think about it like today in a lot of companies that either I talk to or work with directly, it's horseback riding. They throw the CSM on, on the back of the horse and they're like, hang on. Just grab that little knob in the center of the saddle and just hang on for dear life. Hopefully the customer doesn't leave versus teaching all the fundamentals of how to actually ride a horse instead of just that this is a fire sale. We're going to throw a bunch of accounts in your direction and just keep as many of them as humanly possible. I was reviewing our, our recent hires, and I think we recently hire a customer success enablement person. Is that a role that you've encountered? No. 
I love it, um, but no, we haven't haven't seen customer success specific to enablement. I think something that I've seen more often, which is a customer success specific operations professional or analytics, either one of those titles, but specific to post-sale metrics, but not an enablement person dedicated to customer success at this point. Yeah, I definitely have seen those those ops people. Actually, it's a good you know sort of related transition, which is the ops function around sales and customer success. You hear the term RevOps now bandied about quite a bit. From what I've seen, however, even though things are called RevOps, there's still a pretty serious managerial separation between the customer success ops people and the new business sales ops people. Are you actually seeing organizations converge or they're just they're just using the term RevOps, right, but not really combining the functions? So uh, not to throw any shade, but I guess I will anyways. So the CRO title, I have not seen any meaning from that title. Up to this point, a CRO from what I've seen is just what used to be a VP of sales with a C-level title, but they don't actually own marketing or own the full revenue creation function. That being said, from a RevOps perspective, I am seeing that unification. So the people who have adopted a revenue operations title truly have sales, marketing, customer success, like both new business development, existing business, and the whole marketing function. It is truly one operations function, which to me, I love. Like Those things all should go up into the same team so that we can evaluate all of the metrics in a single location and have one team who's doing the evaluation of where are we from a revenue creation perspective. That understanding of the complete customer lifecycle is key to making decisions. And I think from a skill set point of view, you know, it's basically the same analytical skill set. Elements of the metrics at least carry through as well. So that's a heartening sign that you're seeing. Now that there's operations focused specifically on customer success, the next logical step would be to layer in enablement, because if you're gaining meaningful insights, what happens when you spot gaps or leakage or issues? What's the point of knowing about issues or trends if you don't have resources to fix them? So I guess ops is first, figure out where you have problems, enablement second, fix problems. Obviously, sales enablement will take on some degree of customer success enablement, but right. just they always seem to be the second class citizen when that happens, the customer success professionals. Yeah, for now. I don't think that that's going to be for long, right? So we're talking about it right now. You know, you tell me at Rainmaker how many topics were about customer success. You know, having gone year after year, it definitely it definitely grows and grows. And within two, it'll be the topic of 15 of your speaking slots, right? I think it's just going to, that number is going to continue to grow as people start to feel more comfortable with the sales development function. ABM is no longer the hot topic that it was, but it'll be a rise of it seems like everyone's talking about it, except it's not going to go away like some of the other more short-term topics. The last question I want to ask you on customer success has to do with the career path for customer success people, right? So just to frame it, you don't see career SDRs, but the reason you don't see career SDRs is because it's a training program for them to become you know, inside sellers and then ultimately field and then ultimately enterprise sellers, right? Whereas in customer success, and obviously the function's young, but I, I do worry about what the career progression is for customer success folks. From your customer base, I would presume that that comes up as a major issue affecting retention. What are some of the best companies doing in order to provide a, a healthy career path for their CSMs? 
One is the hiring profile. So based on personality profile and some of those, uh, you know, non-experience based traits, we're looking for a different rep than we would be for an SDR who we know we're going to struggle to keep in seat for 14 months, never mind like 18. So if we're hiring a different profile of people, like more of that project manager or someone who's not necessarily going to be sprinting towards the door if they haven't been promoted in six months. So personality profile and hiring just a different type of rep, I think, is step one. And then step two is if you have logical bands within your customer base, which most of my customers do, which is you have some who are SMB mid-market enterprise. So maybe when you're First starting out, you're on the SMB team, you handle smaller accounts, but you handle a higher volume and get really organized, get used to the platform. And then maybe as your level of expertise and tenure grows, you move up to the mid-market team, start handling some more strategic accounts who are challenged with different issues, both within your platform as well as as a business, and then potentially eventually move up into enterprise customer success rep role where you're handling a handful of accounts who are the most strategic to the business, the most important to retain and keep happy. And then you have a whole different set of challenges. You're doing way more like QBRs with them, having way more strategic conversations, potentially working to coordinate them to come up and speak on stage at your annual user conference. So you're just working on different projects throughout your growth as a CSM. And from What I've seen for that role in particular, it's not necessarily just a constant cash grab, right? It's not a 50-50 role, like 50% base, 50% incentive like an AE would be. I mean, it's 80-20-90-10 base to incentive comp. So this isn't just a money grab. Reps want new skills and challenges and to feel like they are a growing piece of the success of the company. And I think sliding them up through the types of accounts that they manage is a way to help that. I also just don't think it's in the same category of like sales development. You could be a career CSM, no problem. And I don't think that people would have as much of an issue with that if they are the personality profile that is right for customer success to begin with. Yeah, I I love the analogy that you drew with the way that people manage even the SDR progression, right, which is with SDRs going from SMB to mid-market to enterprise, then they get promoted to be like SMB team manager or SMB manager mid-market, right? So they've got sort of six steps. And in the CSM world, you can do the same thing. As a CSM, you can do that progression, as you said, and then you get promoted to management. And then your SMB team manager, mid-market team manager, enterprise team manager. So that at least gets you through, you know, way longer than the average lifespan of a of a CSM in a in a company, right? That could get you easily through six to ten years in that progression. Absolutely. And I think every business has to just be smart about the economics of their own business. What's a reasonable book of business that that person can manage? What's their value to the company? What can you pay them? And are you going to get priced out by people who can either afford to pay more or who just are comfortable with a higher burn rate. So I think as long as you have a plan in place, I think one of my points of frustration across the board, not customer success only, is people who just aren't realistic with expectations for retaining sales professionals. If you can only pay an SDR 60 and your market rate is 70 and your culture will keep them for 15 months and just accept it and plan for churn, recruit really well, and just let people go. Don't try and hang on for dear life and have this huge like negative thing towards the end where everyone ends up hating you and you hate them. And it's just this whole negative spiraling situation. Just 
accept the situation and the reality of your business and just plan accordingly. It is wise advice for every single role. Though I have to say, uh, yes, culture helps, but losing people and having to retrain people can be incredibly expensive and time-consuming. Oh, absolutely. Bringing this full circle in the transactional world, you can probably get away with that more because you don't. the training is not as complex. Exactly, exactly. This is a blast chatting with you and, and learning from you about customer success and account management. If other people want to learn more about you, know, you, connect with you, find out about the Bridge Group, how should they do that? If you want to find out more about the Bridge Group, I think the most interesting thing about us or that you would take away from us is our research, which is available on our blog. Publish it every single year. We alternate sales development and account executive reports. So easy to find, thebridgegroup.com. Go to the blog page, find the research. If you want to learn about me, my name's Kyle Smith. There's only about 1,500 of them on LinkedIn. So <laughs> <laughs> look for Kyle Smith at The Bridge Group. And yeah, feel free to connect. Once again, I'm your host, Jeremy Donovan from SalesLoft. Laura Hall is our executive producer. Our artwork is by Greg Klingshern. This episode was edited by Peter Lopinto. Subscribe to us on your favorite app to learn more immediately actionable best practices from our awesome guests. Thanks for listening to the Hey Salespeople podcast.